Welcome to Samford University's Campus Worship. We hope you enjoy the presentation. We good? Okay. Good morning, everyone. So I've been having uh, this nightmare recently that um, it's the spring semester of my senior year, and I realize I still have 20 combo credits I have left to get. <laughs> so tell me, is this a dream, or am I really here right now? Because <laughs> I thought I was done with combo in 2014. Um, no, but seriously, I would actually be, actually be sitting in this very room, in those pews, and I would be looking up at the front, and I would be thinking to myself, you know, I don't know if I'll ever have anything to speak about one day, but I never want to speak at Convo. <laughs> but here I am. Um, so, no, because, like, I get it, you know, because even, even uh, when, like, I would really want to be here, especially, I mean, this is April. I mean, this is, this is the end of the year. This is the middle of the school day. Most of you have, you know, I have test coming up next period. This is April 25th. You have exams coming up in two weeks. This is crunch time. It's the time of year we start thinking about, I really hope I get the internship that I want this summer. Uh, if I'm a senior, am I going to get summa cum laude or not? Am I going to get a, a 4.0 or 3.9? I want to really know that this girl that I like feels the same way about me that I feel about her, or this guy feels the same way about me that I feel about him, or whatever. It's this anxiety. And then, without a doubt, no matter when in the year it is, you walk by the same people every day, and they say, hey, man, how's it going? How's it going? And you're like, man, I'm doing great. It's doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. This happen like 15 times in a day. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And how often do we walk by and think to ourselves, man, I wish that were true. Man, I wish that were true. And I think what we really want in those moments is we want, we want, we want confidence. We want to be able to say, when someone asks, hey, how you doing? We want to be able to say, I'm great. I'm really good. I want confidence. And the funny thing about confidence is that you really, it's not just something in and of itself. You need two things to have confidence, I think. You need trust and you need hope. You have to be able to trust in something and you need to be able to hope in something. And a lot of people think that trust and hope are the same thing. They're really not. We Trust in the things that we think are going to get us to where we hope to go. Trust and hope are no more the same thing than um, a baseball and the catcher's men are the same thing. So if, uh, if um, you're in a dorm room on campus and your roommate sleeps on the top bunk and you're on the bottom bunk, you trust that your roommate's not going to all of a sudden come crashing down on top of you in the middle of the night at, at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. And that uh, trust gives you a, uh, means that you uh, hope that you'll be able to get a good night's sleep, which gives you confidence. So we really need trust and confidence to be, we really need trust and hope to be able to have confidence. My question to you is, what do we do when the things that we trust in don't work out the way we expect them to, the way that we often uh, take for granted that they're going to happen that way? If when the original plan that we had doesn't work out, what do we do? And when we realize that um, the backup plan should have been the first resort all along. And my proposal to all of you today is that what is often ends up being just a fallback for people 
when things don't work out, which should always be the original plan, is putting not just trust, but your ultimate trust, your ultimate hope in God. So that you don't just have confidence, but unshakable confidence. And so in order to uh, show this, I wanted to give you a 10-minute version of the story of my life. Uh, where I basically had to learn the hard way that trust in God is everything and that it's, it's something that you actually, it's actually a wise thing to do, that it's everything. So this talk, I guess you could say, is really about confidence in Jesus. So <clears throat> what did confidence look like for 19-year-old version of Ryan Penny when he first got to Sanford? Well, it was really, it looked like cockiness. <clears throat> I really thought that I was the stuff. And so um, when I got here, you know, I actually went to an all-boys high school in Nashville, so I was around guys all day long. So just imagine for a second what it was like when I, when I, when I first got to Sanford, what that experience was like. Um, uh, the uh, front of campus, those gates, like the gates of heaven were opening up for me. And um, <laughs> so many beautiful women. So little time. So I, um, so um, it was Connections Weekend, and I was walking around camp with um, some of my new friends at night on the quad. And before I realized it, uh, and before I knew it, I realized that I was veering off from the group alone with this beautiful girl. And um, I was thinking to myself, wow, Ryan, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Classes haven't even started yet. <laughs> and, and so we were walking around campus, and we were actually in front of the law school, and we went to sit down at the fountain that's in front of the law school. Very romantic. And so we were sitting, and we were talking, and she, and she asked me, so Ryan, if you could meet anybody in history, who would it be? And so me wanting to sound all smart and sophisticated probably said something like, Thomas Jefferson or Martin Luther King or something like that. And I was like, <clears throat> so, who would you want to meet if you can meet anybody in history? And she says to me, well, I would say Jesus, but I already met him. <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, like, what? And honestly, actually, I, I can't even remember what I said after that. It was just... That was the end of my memory for me. Um, and so, no, I just, um, I'm from Nashville, and I, I just had never really been around anyone who talked like that. And so it was like, wow, welcome, <clears throat> welcome to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so, no, I, I was not so much interested in, I mean, I consider myself a Christian, but I, being, um, um, having a deep personal relationship with Jesus was not like the, on the forefront of my priority list. And so uh, what it was on my priority list was socializing, parties, girls, fraternity, and performing, performing. Because I came to Stanford on a performing arts scholarship. I was a musical theater major because ever since I was about this tall, I, I loved to sing and dance and act. I would, I would like watch NSYNC and Usher on TV singing and dancing up on stage in front, of thousands of, in, in front of thousands of screaming girls, and I'd be like, that's what I want to do. And so I would be at like family weddings and stuff like that, and people would be like, who is that little white boy in a tuxedo cutting a rug on the dance floor? 
it was me. And, and so people went up to my mom and they were like, never let that boy stop dancing. So my mom signed me up for, um, now when I say dance, I mean exclusively hip hop. And so when my mom, <laughs> my mom uh, signed me up for hip hop dance classes when I was in seventh grade, and it wasn't long after that where they asked me to compete with them. So it was me and 70 girls. It was awesome. Um, so if any guys gave me a hard time for dancing, which absolutely they did, I would just be like, man, you have no idea. And so, uh, and so I started doing theater in high school. I started to sing and act, and I, w- I would, uh, you know, I, I watched um, Guys and Dolls, the musical with Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando, and I was like, I've found what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so I came to Sanford on a performing arts scholarship, and uh, I was in like a lot of shows my freshman year. Uh, the highlight of which was undoubtedly so Sigma Chi didn't have uh, their own step sync show my freshman year. They had one step sync two years before, but they didn't have one that year. So um, uh, the Zeta Tau Alpha sorority, any Zetas in here? Asked me to uh, be in their step sync show uh, as the only guy. Their, their uh, theme that year was puppets, and so I was the uh, puppet master. So again, it was like me and 70. And, 70 girls all over again, and uh, performing in front of thousands of people, and it was like, it, as, a, as a freshman, it does not get any better than this. And so, that was like the highlight of my freshman year, and then um, I was cast to my first professional acting job for the summer after my freshman year. I was going to be in Red Mountain Theater Company as The Sound of Music. And uh, a week before that, the uh, rehearsal started for that, I went down to Lake Martin, with my girlfriend and her family. And Lake Martin's like two hours away from here. It's right next to Auburn. It's a beautiful summer day on June 13th, 2010. And there's a place there called Chimney Rock. It's like a 50, 60 foot cliff and hundreds of people go there every summer. And I really wanted to jump off that cliff into the lake because it was gonna be fun. It was like riding a roller coaster at a theme park. You know, like it was no different than that. So. I was with my girlfriend and, and her whole family, and I was like, I'm going to go up there. So I did, and I jumped off, and I hit the water wrong. I hit the water kind of like in a seated position, and if you're up that high, you really need to go in the water like a pencil, like this, and I didn't really know that. So I went with my arms filling, and I smacked the water like it was concrete, basically. And uh, I came up out of the water, and I was in agonizing pain, and I, and I looked down on the water, and I saw that my legs were just stiff, hanging there. I couldn't move or feel anything from the waist down. I was paralyzed. And uh, my girlfriend was in the water with my life jacket, and I just remember, th- and, and all I could say was, I just want to know I'll be able to dance again. I just want to know I'll be able to dance again. I just want to know I'll be able to dance again. The rehearsals for that show were going to start in seven days. And I didn't know that uh, my back was broken yet, but I knew the fact that I couldn't move my legs was not good. So I was life flighted to UAB, where I had a six and a half hour surgery the next morning, after which the neurosurgeon came out and told my mom, and my mom is right here, by the way, uh, and told my mom and uh, my family that I was never going to walk again. And I knew that the, uh, the surgeon's prognosis was not very good. That was very bleak. And, and uh, in the hospital, I'd experienced more agonizing, sharp pain than I ever had in my entire life. 
and I knew that I needed to get over whatever problems I might have had with God and religion and all that stuff. All I knew was that I was flat on my back paralyzed and I needed God because I couldn't get through this by myself. So I opened up my heart to him in a way that I never had before in the hospital. And as a result of that, uh, amazingly, I began, to, I began to experience his presence in a way that I never had for, and in a way I never had before. And his love for me in a way I never had before. In fact, one moment in particular where this openness to him led to me sensing him communicating to me in my spirit, son, you've, I've always been there. Even when you strayed and even when you didn't care about me or you thought that I didn't care about what was going on in your life or you thought that I was angry at you or I hated you or whatever, I've always been there. In fact, I was more present to you and to whatever was going on in your life than you were to yourself. And so even though I was at the darkest moment of my life, I knew that uh, I had God with me and that chapter two of my life had just begun. And I was convinced that I was going to walk again. I was like, I'm going to be up on my feet again. And so I came back to Sanford in August, the beginning of my sophomore year. I rolled up in a wheelchair. And uh, I started using a walker. And uh, I started to be able to take those first steps. In fact, I actually had these long leg metal braces that were locked at the knee, so I looked like Forrest Gump when I was walking around. So I didn't have a swagger anymore. I was using a walker. And, um, but... Um, People were amazed that I was able to walk again for the first time. And uh, in fact, nine months after my accident, I was in, um, I co-directed Sigma Chi's Step Sing show. Uh, the theme of that, that year was gangsters. And uh, I uh, walked out of the stage at the end of the show, and I like surprises, so of course I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do this. Um, and, you know, like... Except for my fraternity brothers, so I walked out on the stage at the end of the show without holding on to anything, which people didn't really know that I could do. And I hobbled out there as best I could, and I sang a solo, um, and everybody erupted into applause, and it was so awesome. It truly was joyous, everyone happy that God had worked this miracle in my life, and undoubtedly. That truly was amazing. And, and, uh, but in the midst of all that happiness, I still there is still something missing. There is still this depression. And um, I was in the fraternity house one night, and uh, one of my fraternity brothers asked me, so what do you think has been the hardest part of this whole thing for you? And I never really thought about it that simply before, but it immediately hit me. It was undoubtedly this shaken sense of identity. If you had asked me, if you had asked me before my injury, Ryan, who are you, I would have... I would have pictured me up on a stage singing and dancing and be able to have full control of my body and do whatever I want with a strength. And I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't do that anymore. So it was like, who am I? And, and uh, so there was this hole that was like, I knew that God was in my life, but I was like, what does all this mean, God? Why can't you just heal me? Why can't you take this away? Why can't... I had this planned for my life. I wanted to go to Broadway and all this stuff. And what, what happened? That's why I came to Sanford. What do you want me to do? And, and so what really happened was I just had a, a broken image of myself because I had a broken image of Christ. 
I didn't have the confidence that I needed because I didn't know what trust in God actually meant. See, the problem was that I had, and, and before I say all this, it was beginning to pay attention to the faithfulness of the people on this campus my sophomore year and seeking out the wisdom of very smart men that led to uh, me seeking answers to all my, to all my, to all my questions. What does trust in God actually mean? I had put my trust in my talent and my abilities and ultimately something that was taken away from me before I even realized it. I put my, open, my, I put my ultimate trust in my gifts and so that was taken away. It was like, who am I? Just to get, so it says like there has to be something more than this. If I can trust God, why can I trust God? And I realized, you know, I listened to some very smart men, you know, like again on this campus, and I started listening to, um, reading some of the things that, that um, Pope St. John Paul II wrote, and um, I realized that I had never really known what the gospel was all about. That... Um, we can put our trust in Christ. We can put our trust in God. Because God isn't just one more good thing among a lot of really good things. He's not just one more beautiful thing among a world of beautiful things. He's not just one more good thing in a world of good things. He's not just one more truth among many truths. He is beauty itself. He is goodness itself. He is truth itself, himself. He's not just one more good thing among many. One of my favorite passages from the New Testament is when Jesus is talking to the Jews in um, John chapter 8, and they're talking to them about Abraham and about how he's their father. And Jesus says to them, your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jews then said to him, you're not even 50 year old, you're not even yet 50 years old, and yet you're saying that you've seen Abraham? Then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that is undoubtedly the biggest mic drop statement in the history of ever. The conversation was over at that point. Before Abraham was, I am. Which, of course, echoes what God said to Moses in the book of Exodus through the burning bush when Moses asked us, who am I going to tell people that you are? And God says, I am who I am. In other words, you can't put a label on me. I'm not just one more good thing in a world of good things. I made all of these good things. They came from me. I am the source and the one to whom they are returning. You put your trust in me because I can't be taken away. No one's going to snatch me out of your hands. No one's going to come and snatch you out of my hands. See, my problem was my cockiness in my freshman year and me thinking that you know I was just awesome it's all pride and pride says I am so awesome and I've got this but humility says God is so awesome and he's got me humility humility is necessary for trust and realizing that there is a God and I am not him trust is intricately connected to hope and a lot of people think that hope is this sort of optimism 
that things are going to work out for me, like it's all going to turn out great in this life. If I have faith, God's going to be all the things that I want. That's how it works. That's not hope. That's not the supernatural virtue of hope. That's not among faith, hope, and love, one of the infused gifts of God to us. Hope is this conviction in the ultimate sovereignty of the Lord over all of creation. To be anchored in him is to transcend beyond just the things of this world and what's temporal and being anchored in eternity and knowing that that's where I came from and that's where I'm destined to go back to. And all of the circumstances of my life, all the things that I have are just ultimately meant to help me bring me closer to God as long as I don't resist because resisting God, which is what I was doing for so long, is resisting your own happiness. We are made from love, by love, and for love, and until we realize that, we're lost. And when I finally realized that, what, it, what true trust is, what real hope is, I found a confidence that I had never known before. And even other people started to see me, to see this peace that they'd never seen in me before. Like I was at, you know, the fraternity house one night, and people were like, Ryan, you just seem to me so much more at peace than like we've ever seen you before. And they didn't mean like since my accident. They meant since they had ever known me. I started going to church on my own, not because I felt obligated to, but because I wanted to. During the week, I would get up at like six o'clock in the morning to, to go down to church, to go to mass. And I was going not just uh, not going out of obligation. I was like the sick patient going to see the divine physician. And the beautiful thing was I knew that in spite of all what I've lost, I have gained infinitely more than I lost. And that was everything. So trust, hope, leads to confidence, leads to unshakable confidence. So the question is how do we what can we do today to walk out of here more confident than we were when we first got here? Believing in who Jesus Christ really is. And believing that he wants to work that miracle in your own life. Which means that we need to confess it and then act accordingly. We need models of trust. So what is the best model of trust that I can think of? and showing forth also at the same time its amazing power. Church fathers, all the great saints and Christian theologians up and down the centuries all agree that the greatest example of human trust in God is depicted in the gospel, in the first chapter of the gospel according to St. Luke, when the angel Gabriel appears to this young Israelite girl and he says to her, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But this girl was very greatly troubled and at you know, the saying, she said, you know, what could this possibly mean? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And without hesitation, you know, of course she says, how can this possibly be since I have no husband? 
And he says, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And without hesitation, she, she says, let it be done to me according to thy word. When reality was, she was about to get pregnant with a baby that was not the baby of the husband she was about to marry. That's a problem. And not only that, but how is this going to happen because of the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's just absolutely, there's, this is completely unprecedented. But without hesitation, she says, let it be done to me according to thy word. Trust. And as a result of that, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us and redeemed the world. That angel, God, didn't, didn't force that choice on her. He didn't manipulate her. She said, let it be done to me according to thy word. I choose yes, fiat. And as a, res- as a result of the trusting heart of a humble, of a humble Israelite girl 2,000 years ago, salvation came into the world. So my proposal to you today is it's going to be trusting God in our own hearts that's going to bring about that same salvation in our own lives. That's something that can't be taken away from us, can't be robbed from us. So trusting God isn't just like something we have to work on. It's everything. It's everything. So what can we do about it? Why not just start with Scripture? Let it be done to me according to thy word, God. You are my beginning and my end. You know the plans that you have for me. I don't. I think I know what's best for me, but you know what's best for me. Let it, to be, let it be done to me according to thy word. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You know, just with the just what the man said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Believing in God who really is. He's not just one more good thing among many. He is goodness and beauty and being itself. So, before I end, I wanted to uh, share one of my favorite quotes. It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. He is waiting for you when nothing else you find satisfies you. He is the beauty to which you are so attracted. It is he who provokes you with that thirst for fullness that will not let you settle for compromise. It is he who urges you to shed the masks of a false life. It is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. Pope St. John Paul II said that. And finally, I'm going to end with a quote from St. Augustine who said, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So let's, uh, let's end with a prayer. Eternal Father, in whom mercy is endless and the treasury of compassion inexhaustible, look kindly upon us and increase your mercy in us, that in difficult moments we might not despair nor become despondent, but with grateful confidence submit ourselves to your holy will, which is love and mercy itself. Jesus, I trust in you. Thanks, everybody. For more information about Samford University, check out samford.edu.